today on CityCast Salt Lake. I was in an airport bathroom over the holidays, and there was a woman trying to get a period product from the dispensary machine, but she only had one quarter and the machine required two. Nobody in the bathroom could help her out because it's 2022 and none of us had a single quarter. She wanted a pad, but we only had tampons to offer. In the end, she ran out to make her flight and sit on a plane for hours without anything to catch her flow. It made me angry, and I haven't stopped thinking about access to period products since. But my guest today is doing something about it. Emily Bell McCormick is the founder of The Period Project, and her activism is paving the way to make period products free or low cost in Utah. It's Tuesday, February 1st, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Hi, Emily. Welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you about this because I feel like as a person who gets a period, this is on my mind a lot. And it's so nice to see it discussed in like just such an open in the open arena. Totally. Isn't it like kind of magical to see this out there like in a public arena where people are talking about it? And the funny thing is when you said um, you know, it's on your mind a lot. It's on the mind of every menstruator a lot, you know? Completely. We're talking like three to five days a month for 40 years in our lives. And it's hilarious that we've never talked about it before. I know. Well, or at least so comfortably, like listening to the governor and uh, the lieutenant governor talk about periods and menstruation and period products so so comfortably feels really important um, just as like a first step. But there's a lot more to do. So your organization is the Policy Project. Of course, we're talking about periods because you all have taken up this issue that you're calling the Period Project. Can you define for me the, the problem that the Period Project is looking to solve? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's this big grand issue of something called period poverty, which is really um, just the lack of access to period products. So for any menstruator, um, if you cannot afford period products or if you're a child and can't access period products, it's a problem, right? That um, when menstruation happens, you're not able to hold it. It's not like right. going number one or going number two. It's like the second that sucker starts, you got to take care of it, right? It's more like a bloody nose. And so um, what we found is that it's actually affecting um, school attendance. It's also affecting work. It's affecting women in prisons, homeless shelters, you know, all these places. But we kind of decided to focus in on something we saw as uh, would have like the smallest amount of dollars for the biggest uh, impact, right? Which was looking at schools and looking at public schools specifically and asking that our um, legislature help provide period products in all public and charter schools throughout the state. What is the connection between access to menstrual products and improved school outcomes? Some of what we know is that seven out of 10 girls or menstruators have either missed class or they know someone who's missed class because of a lack of access to period products. Wow. We know that one in four teens is not able to afford period products at all. And if you're a person living in poverty, you know, um, women in poverty, 46%, so almost half of them um, have to choose between a meal and period products. So if that is happening, what we can um, what we can like discern from that information is that there is an issue with attendance, right? We know that a lot of these girls are not attending school, that they're missing class. And then we have all these issues. You know, I, I know you, you work on 
like issues throughout the state of Utah. And one of the things we keep getting labeled as is 50 out of 50 for women's equality. (laughs) And just interestingly, like sometimes we don't know how to deal with those kinds of numbers. And this issue, it's so basic, basic, you know, um, it it affects attendance, it affects graduation rates um, and all of those things. So working on this, we're hoping to like also affect the grander scheme of like women's lives and their lived experiences here in the state. Thinking about the affordability of these products related to um, this issue, there was an effort in Utah to repeal the tampon tax. And like most things that live or die at the legislature, it's so hard to follow. Can you bring me up to speed? Because I, if I remember correctly, it was like passed and then repealed. Where are we at right now with the tampon tax? Yeah, I'm impressed you know that because <laughs> Utah is still getting all kinds of credit for having passed that. But you are right. It passed. Um at the end of 2019, there was a special session and we worked on the tampon tax then, which the tampon tax was just essentially getting real, rid of the sales tax on all period products because a lot of other medically necessary products um, are, are do not incur sales tax, right? The idea is to just kind of like make that a little more equal. So you have men's products like Rogaine, Viagra, but also things like Band-Aids and sunscreen and those kinds of things don't don't incur those taxes. And we were just essentially asking for menstrual products to also fall into that category. So we attached it at the end of 2019 into the larger tax reform bill. And um, unfortunately, that was overturned in 2020. So tampons, pads, menstrual cups, period panties, all such items were tax-free for January of 2020 until the entire tax reform bill got overturned. So if I understand you correctly, right now there is no tax on Viagra, but there is a tax on tampons in the state of Utah. You got it. It is. It's a it's a tricky one to stomach. Um, It was actually super cute. We were doing this Hinckley Institute of Politics up at the University of Utah last week. And there was a student in this Q&A after, you know, this young, um, I don't know how old, maybe a senior or something in college. And she raised her hand and was like, well, I have this like great idea. Why don't we just put a tax onto Rogan and Viagra instead of getting rid of this other tax? And I was like, oh, honey, oh, that is a great yeah. idea. There are a lot of reasons that that won't go through. Yeah. But yes, that's a great idea. Yeah. So it's it's a little tough to stomach. It's uh, uh, like pretty obvious that that needs to change. And we will continue to work on that. I mean, we'll we'll absolutely go back to that. We just wanted to get this done first. The fact that this... I mean, this effort now has co-sponsors. I mean, again, the governor and the lieutenant governor are talking about it. Why do you think the narrative around menstruation has shifted so much in Utah? Because it feels like it really has. I think we're to a point in time where we are seeing that there are some issues here that run deep. And this is an issue that um, has been very palatable for people, one that we couldn't even talk about in the past. But I think just working on the tampon tax started opening that door. We got a couple, um, you know, key influencers. The media has been very generous in like talking about this. And I think every single, you know, every person that um, starts to talk about it makes it more comfortable to talk about and gives the legislature, gives the governor, gives, you know, people in power permission and also tells them that, listen, hey, it's time to get this done. We're not going to continue this. Like we this is a need that's been overlooked. Okay, that's fine. Let's move on and let's get it done. There are two reasons I think this, well, there are like probably a million reasons I think this policy proposal is so exciting. One of two, the top two are, one, it's such a simple 
way to solve a problem that is solvable. Like there are so many solvable problems facing our city, our county, our state. And this feels like one of them. And I think people are always really activated by a simple solution, a really clear solution. And the second is that the legislature, for me personally at least, can be just like the legislative session can be a really dark time. And there are a lot of bills that come through that frankly like upset me. And this is not one. Like this is exciting. This is awesome. Um what is the state of your bill right now up on the hill? How are things looking? The bill right now is House Bill 162 and it's called Period Products in Schools. Um it is the bill would essentially require elementary, middle or junior highs, and high schools to provide period products to their students in all girls and all gender bathrooms. Um, So uh, one neat thing about this bill is that we have this private partnership, and that's something that Utah really likes and values. Um, And so we essentially fundraised. We have the uh, Larry H. and Gail Miller Family Foundation and the Anders Family Foundation, who both donated a million dollars each. So the $2 million of private funding will purchase dispensers for every school. Mm. So those will be put in. Um, and then the state, in theory, if this bill passes, which... Fingers crossed. Got great. Yeah, I mean, you never want to say anything for sure, but but it's got great support, um, would just essentially provide the supplies to go in schools. One really neat thing that we've been able to talk about this uh, with this, just because the support has been so broad, is to also start paying attention to the quality of the product, which is kind of interesting. So the quality is not written into the bill, but in separate conversations, we've talked about, listen, if we're wanting our girls to fully participate, you know, if in fourth grade in a basketball game at PE, you've got to have something that isn't like a massive sawdust brick, right? Like you need products that these girls can use, that they can run in, that they can play with. Like we're really trying to be thoughtful about dignity and setting the right tone right from the get-go. Why is this issue so important to you? It's a rare, uh, very rare and kind of special moment in life when you can see an issue that is so clear and, like you mentioned before, has such an obvious solution. Mm -hmm. With this particular issue around menstruation, it was more, this sounds weird, but it was like a gift from the universe for me to be able to kind of see this and to find it and to find something that was so quickly and massively impact the masses. You know, not everybody gets a chance to work on something like that in their lifetime. And I feel completely like lucky and blessed to be in that position. There's so many facets to poverty. It's often multi-generational. It's where you live. It's who your parents are friends with or not friends with. It's It's their education. It's so complicated. And with this issue, period poverty, it's one piece of that puzzle that is absolutely and wholly solvable in our lifetime. You know, there is no excuse for you and I to leave this planet without having this done. You know, like it can be done. And so we should get it done. Nice. I'm into that. Emily, thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for being here today. We're going to put a link in our newsletter where people can reach you and the Period Project and some of the great calls to action that you've got on your website because you're those are really clear and defined. And that's always great. Um Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So appreciate you talking about this issue. A little news before we go. 
On this show, we've covered the Park City Professional Ski Patrol Association's collective bargaining effort with Vail and the rise in popularity of unions. Two-thirds of Americans are pro-union these days. Now, there are union drives taking place at two more massive Utah institutions, Salt Lake Community College and Harmon's. So far, union organizers are choosing to remain anonymous while putting out calls for fellow employees to join their movement, and they have good reason to be skittish. Utah is an at-will employment state, which means that in many cases your employer can fire you for almost any reason, including if they dislike your union organizing efforts, and you won't have any legal recourse against them. I think we can all agree that teachers and grocery store employees are among the hardest hit by the ongoing pandemic. And with Utah opting not to raise the minimum wage this year, I have to wonder if this is the beginning of a new era. That's all for us today on CityCast Salt Lake. We're prepping for a Valentine's Day show and newsletter, and we want to hear your Salt Lake love stories. Is there a place or person or idea that you fell in love with right here in the Valley? Write it down or phone it into us at saltlake@citycast.fm, or by calling or texting our hotline 801-203-0137. We'll be back Thursday morning with more news from around the city. Bye. I'm a very nasally Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake.